Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time y'all listen to the show right now. Y'all know I'm y'all host, Tavares Wilson. Hey, guys, y'all know I always get the last word. I just got to get that out, though. Now, <clears throat> as you all know, we quit trigger. So off the bat, we're going to start in some NBA news. And I wanted to speak on specifically the news regarding NBA Phoenix Suns and Mercury, Phoenix Mercury owner, <clears throat> excuse me, Robert Sauver. And if you all do not know, Robert Sauver was actually under some heat this last, I want to say a year, year and a half, because of a interview he had with, I think it was like over 300 some people that was in the interview. And there are basically former employees, and I believe also players, if I'm not mistaken, of the Phoenix Suns, that basically accused him and said, Accused him of saying like racial slurs to people, being misogynistic, sexist, and just downright racist and making the workplace toxic, uncomfortable, and quite frankly, people not wanting to be around the building because of him specifically. And if y'all don't know, the NBA actually quote unquote disciplined him by giving him a year suspension and fined him $10 million. And a lot of players took exception to this. And when I say a lot of players, I'm specifically speaking on in regards to LeBron James and Chris Paul's comments, who both guys who we all know are both truly like pioneers of today's NBA and just pillars in what the NBA is in the game we know to be today. Both guys took exception to his, basically his suspension and to his fine because they felt as if it was just a tap on the wrist, like wasn't a true punishment. And both guys expressed themselves very vehemently and stating this on social media that they feel as if the NBA fell short and dropped the ball with this one. And this should have been a lot harsher of a punishment, suspension, whatever the case may be. And it just wasn't. Now, whether you agree or disagree with that, it's fine. That's on you. Me, personally, I do believe the suspension or the consequences, I should say, should have been worse. Because this is something that's been going on for years. I'm talking, this is a 60-year-old owner who, if I'm not mistaken, he's owned this team for quite some time. Yes, yeah, since 2004. So, that's almost a quarter of a century, we're talking about almost two decades, where all of this stuff could have been happening and your punishment is a year suspension and a $10 million fine to a multi-billionaire who, who probably is a multi-billionaire, who's a billionaire, millionaire, whatever. $10 million isn't going to hurt this guy. That's the point I'm making. And the year suspension, so he misses a season to be around a team, whatever the case may be, conduct basketball operations. I just don't believe that is a harsh enough punishment for possibly conducting a uncomfortable environment to the point that is a racial interrogation anytime you come to work or misogynistic point of view from a man to any woman. To me, personally, that isn't good enough. I felt as if personally the team should have been taken from him. That's what I felt. I felt as if he should have lost his right to the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. That's just me. No one has to agree. I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. But me personally, 
if you commit a crime and you get away with the said crime for multiple years and you're caught by it, you still need to face the same harsh criticism and same harsh consequences you would have if you got caught the day of. I don't think this I don't think this is even remotely close enough to make him even feel as if he needs to forgive or make up for his actions. Me personally, that's how I feel about the situation. I'm not I'm not here to convince anyone else. I'm just saying what I believe the situation is and what it should have played out as. If you believe something else, that's completely fine. But regardless of how any of us feel, regardless of that, the dude is suspended for a year and he's fined $10 million. That's what it is. That's the punishment. That's what it will be. At, at least if nothing else happens, but I doubt that anything else will happen. Now, that being said, in other NBA news... I believe the the Lakers actually have a new home edition jerseys now. And from what I see, they were like a purple city edition jerseys. They look to me they look good. It's like a lighter purple, not the typical dark purple they usually have. It's 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 similar to the purple of the Utah Jazz City Edition colors. It's not the, the uniform isn't the same, but it's the similar color. And I think they look nice, I think they look good. But outside of the Robert no, on the sovereign situation, not really much going on in the NBA news right now. But let's get into football. I know that's the biggest thing right now. Week one just passed. We had a week two game tonight. I'm recording this podcast on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. So if I'm wrong about the Chargers or the Chiefs games, my pick for the game, then that's why because I'm recording this before the game even takes place. So if I if I'm right, I'm a future teller. If I'm wrong, it is what it is. But off back, I'm gonna get into some thoughts I have from week one. And as usual, I'm gonna start with my very own team, the Miami Dolphins. And I thought we looked solid. Thought we looked solid. I I didn't think we looked spectacular. I didn't think we took the world by surprise or anything like that. I thought we looked like we've looked the past two years. Really good defensive play. Defense made big plays when it mattered most. They were bending on break large portions of the game. Forced some turnovers. Got pressure on the quarterback pretty consistently. Now, it didn't. It took some blitzes at times. The four-man pressures wasn't there for the most part. That's a big concern for me. That is something that I've always wanted to see better of this team, but... Whatever works for them, I'm not going to complain about it for the most part, at least. But I believe Jalen Phillips does need to be better. I believe Emmanuel Ogba is doing all he can as an individual player. I mean, he finished the game with a sack, two QB hits, and I believe five tackles. He's he's playing some really good games. Melvin Ingram looked good out there. Jalen Phillips just has to be better. I mean, this was supposed to be the season people said he breaks out. I want to see it. But... Defense look good, offense not so much. And I want to speak on this. I made a video on TikTok. If you don't follow me on TikTok, guys, it's the same name as the show, Last Word Productions. Y'all go follow me on that. And this troubled me. And from what I heard from Tua, this really troubled me. Tua essentially in the interview, and I believe it was after practice, either it was today or yesterday, basically confirming why he doesn't make certain throws, right? 
And the reason that he gave is just downright, it's an excuse. It's terrible reasoning, and it's just, if I'm being completely truthful and transparent, it's just sorry. It's losing mentality and behavior. Tua essentially said that the reason why he doesn't make some of these throws to people that are open is because he simply cannot see them. That he, he, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He can't see the offensive line. So, therefore, if he wants, the receivers wants him. And this is the part that really killed me. If the receivers want him to get them the ball, they got to get in his train of sight in order for him to make the throws. Listen to me, man. My, my first issue with that is the fact that he's using his height and his physical disadvantages as an excuse to why he cannot make certain plays on the field. That is number one. Kyler Murray, Drew Brees, Doug Flutie, Steve Young, Russell Wilson. I, I mean, I could name at least probably five of the guys who all were shorter than the norm and were critiqued for it. All make these throws that he is missing. They all do. Now, whether you want to say they're good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, whatever the case may be, is irrelevant. The, the fact of the matter remains, there isn't a single throw on the field. Those guys do not make not a single throw. All of those guys that I just named back in their heyday for Steve Young and Doug Flutie, Kyler Murray, Wilson, Breeze, they made every single throw on the field, especially at their peaks. Especially at their peaks. So to hear Tua use that excuse of his height to not to have the inability to make certain reason throws to me is a piss poor excuse. That's all it is. Because it's not like we have not seen dudes make these reads and make these throws. And what makes it even worse, you don't need to be able to see a receiver get open. You should be able to read a defense, know your play, know what you're running, know the routes, and know what spots will be open in certain situations. If you know you got man-to-man, go on matchups. Bro, the... Playing football is not as hard as people want to make it out to be for this dude. And it kills me with the excuses. And now he's making them. Listen, I'm not a Tua hater. I love Tua. Again, like I said for a million times, Tua is the first Dolphin jersey I've ever bought in my life. The first Dolphin jersey I've ever owned in my life. I wanted the Dolphins to draft him. I said they should draft him. But I also said... I believe Justin Herbert will be the best quarterback in this draft. And if the Dolphins were to take him, I would like it just as much as if they took to him. I, I just would have because I believe Justin Herbert was that kind of talent. And push comes to shove two years later, three years later. Justin Herbert is clear as day the better quarterback. Clear as day the better quarterback. It's not even debatable. Like it's, it's, it's laughable at this point to even try to debate Tua can ever be in the same realm as Justin Herbert at this point. Tua is trying to be in the same realm as the Jared Goffs and Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world at this point. He's trying to be those guys. Well, a guy who may not be the most talented, may not be the greatest, but he got a good team around him, and he can make use and utilize everything around him in order to succeed as much as possible. Nothing wrong with that, per se. You can win like that. You know, you Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, both been to Super Bowls. One of them is a pro bowler. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the issue and why I lose disconnect with that 
You didn't draft a you didn't draft to attack of my lower fifth overall to beat Jerry Goff. You didn't draft him fifth overall to beat Jimmy Garoppolo. You drafted him fifth overall to be a franchise guy. Not one of those guys I just named as a franchise guy. Not one of them. Not one of them. Not one of them will be with a team for 12 plus years and be that team's undisputed starter. Not one of them. Not one of them will do that. That is the issue, and that's where I lose the disconnect. And that is a part of the reasoning why I have such a disdain what he said. And the other thing I want to add, the second thing that I strongly dislike about those comments, he's essentially putting the blame and putting the work in order to for it to be better on the receivers versus himself. To me, that says a lot about his leadership. And that says a lot to why a lot of dudes, now I'm not saying this year, but why a lot of dudes in the past two years since he's been there, there were reports coming out of saying that dudes do not view him as a leader. They don't believe he can be in competition or help them compete against the Josh Allen's or Patrick Mahomes of the world. With that mindset, it's, it's no... Is no denying that some players actually came out and said this stuff because his mindset isn't a good one. If you're making excuses like that, man, to using your height at your height, excuse me, as a a tap a cop out to why you can't make or do certain plays or throws, at that point, I don't know what they could get from you. I I just don't know how high of a ceiling you can have at that point if you already mentally convinced and told yourself I can't make these reads because I simply cannot see what offers the line. Get more drop back in your depth. I mean depth in your drop back, man. Pick your head up like Drew Brees used to do. Something. Like, try. Don't sit there and make excuses and tell other people they need to do better so you can be better. You be better for you. Like, it's, it's, it's agonizing, bro, and it's frustrating because I want to see this dude succeed bro but he's making it hard to believe he really will and with that mindset I, I just don't I just don't know what Mike McDaniel is going to be able to fully do with Tua I don't I don't think the offense will be able to fully flourish because this is an offense that's just oozing talent man I mean you got Waddle Hill Moser Edmonds, Gazicki, the offensive line for by all accounts, where regardless of how you want to feel about them, they look much improved from last season. For not even just Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, who both were fantastic in last Sunday's game. But I thought Liam Eikenberg looked pretty solid. I thought he had a pretty damn good game. I thought Robert Hunt, outside of one, maybe two plays, had a good game. I thought Greg Little came in and looked solid for Austin Jackson, you know, so I'm just confused on why exactly we are continuously making these excuses about the old line and about these other people when this dude is up here literally admitting to you all that he can't see over people and therefore there's nothing he could do about certain throws that are there to be made. Come on, bro. I'm not going for that. That's, that is an excuse. That is an excuse and that's all it is. I could care less. Who feels differently? I know, you know excuses when you hear one, and that was for sure an excuse. It was an excuse. That that's what it is. 
That's what it. That's what it would be. It's an excuse. And the last thing I want to say about that situation is the fact that, and the reason that I am, I'm not off the tour train because I still want to see the dude succeed. At the end of the day, he's my team quarterback, and I am a fan of his because I, I like tour the person he is. I want to see him succeed. He has a great story. But the reason being that I'm close to off the tour bandwagon is because simply put. If that means if everything he said in this in that statement was true, right? That would mean his biggest strength is is a weakness now, and that means there is nothing he can get to as an NFL starting quarterback that will make him stand out from the rest. And his biggest strength was his accuracy and anticipation. That was his biggest strength. If he can't throw in anticipation anymore because he simply cannot see the routes develop or he can't see dudes, you just took away his biggest strength. So the accuracy becomes irrelevant because he's not making the proper throws anymore. So what does does he do? He's not the most athletic, not the strongest arm, not the biggest guy like he said himself. What else can he do? His bread and butter, his... His bread and butter and his cop, cop out and what separated him from the rest of the league was his ability to throw anticipation and accuracy. If he cannot do that at a high level, I don't see what else he's going to provide for you at a high level. He's, he's just not. And I know people are going to look at the stats, but he almost had 300 yards passing to bars. He completed over eight. He had, t- had an attempt. Yard YPA over 8.2 yards. He had a completion percentage of, that was really good because he, he completed 23 or 33 passes. Only missed 10 passes. He had a 104.4 rating. I get it. The numbers sound good. Turn the film on. Watch the games. And study them. You will see he should have easily finished this game with 350 yards, two touchdowns, and a perfect QBR. You can easily see it. And why I say it's easily, because there are dudes running route concepts across the middles, slants, deep routes that he simply is just not seeing or hitting. And it is an issue. Because when you play against these better teams, like you will this week against the Ravens, you have to make these throws to win these games. And if you can't, you, you'll just be another bottom feeder. You won't be a playoff team. It is what it is. But that's just the truth. But enough about Tua. Let me go ahead and get into some other news around the NFL. And it's a lot of injuries, man. And Jamal Adams is actually out for the year. He will have surgery on his quad tendon. He got injured first week of the year. Well, the Seahawks actually upset the Broncos. And they the Seahawks actually look pretty damn good, if I will say so myself. Now... Despite the fact that Geno Smith played out of his mind, despite the fact that the Seahawks defense played better than I gave them credit that they would have, this game came down to Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett making one of the worst, if not already the worst coaching decision this season in believing in his kicker to make a 64-yarder versus trusting Russell Wilson, who you just gave $250 million some dollars to, Two hundred fifty million some dollars to guarantee 
that you just gave him all that for him to sit on the sideline and put the hands, put the game in the hands of a kicker. I'm sorry. If it was 54 yards, if it was 44 yards, if it was even 60 yards, I would understand somewhat. Somewhat. But since it wasn't, you made a terrible mistake. You gave this dude his money for a reason. Go out there and let him earn his take. It's four, I believe it was fourth and six, I believe, fourth and five, something like that. It's not, it's not easy, but it ain't, it ain't the most difficult thing we've ever seen him do. He's made these throws in these situations before. Give him the chance. You, you're out there playing against corners like Michael Jackson and Safeties and Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, who was out, was out of the game. Their secondary isn't exactly a strong suit. You have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Andre Beck, who a, a running back slash tight end, who by all accounts is having a really good game, especially early on in the game. And their other tight end, I can't. He got a difficult name. His name I can't recall right now, but they got weapons. Is my point. If you can't, if you're telling me. I paid this guy $250 million to go out here and sit on the sideline while I kick or lose the game. We wasted our damn money. It's that simple. We, we wasted our money. We wasted our money on either the quarterback or the head coach don't know what the hell he's doing. It's, now, again, it's week one. It was a mistake. He'll learn from it. Hopefully, he learns from it. But it, at the end of the day, only thing I critique and go off of is week one because that's all we've seen so far. Nonetheless, it was a mistake. Shouldn't have happened, but it did. But yeah, Jamal Adams out. TJ Watt is going to miss about six weeks. He may maybe longer with a pectoral tear. He would. I'm, I don't believe he needs surgery, but he will be missing multiple weeks. Uh, Jawan James is out for the Ravens for the year. Dak Prescott suffered a wrist injury that's going to sideline him for six to eight weeks, and I just feel. Horrible for um, Cowboys fans, man. Their season is cooked. Their season's done. It's it's bad. The Cowboys even with that Prescott last night out, not last night, but this past um, Sunday night. Outside of Ezekiel Elliott, I thought nothing looked good about the Cowboys. Nothing on the offensive side that is. And on the defensive side, outside of Micah Parsons, I thought nothing looked good. So two guys out of twenty-two and. That's not that's not a good ratio. It's not. And for me and for my money, I'm not willing to bet. I'm not willing to bet on the Cowboys winning this division anymore. I had them winning the division, but at this point, nah. This is the Eagles' division to lose. They lose it. That's what them. But the Cowboys not winning this division no more. I thought Mr. Trubisky looked okay at times for the Steelers. I didn't think he looked the greatest. I didn't think he looked all that good either. I thought he looked like Tua for the most part. And But outside of that, nothing real crazy in the NFL. It was some real disturbing injuries. But for the most part, it's some teams that surprised me. I thought the commanders looked a little better than I thought they were going to look. I thought the the Eagles looked good, but their defense looked a little tad bit worse than I thought it would. Unless the Cow not Cowboys, but the Lions offense is just better than what I gave them credit for. 
the, the Eagles defense didn't look as good as I thought it would. And on top of that, I thought that the Packers, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Because without Devontae Adams, Rodgers made throws, and he made some bad throws in this, that game as well. But he also made some good throws that simply just were drops. Man. I mean, one pass, he threw an absolute dime. So I believe his name is Chris Watson, the, the rookie receiver. And he just he just dropped it. I'm talking about he catches his ball. He's, he's going for six. This is easily a 70-something yard touchdown. Just drops it. I'm talking about a terrible drop. I, I don't know what the Packers are going to do. Maybe these guys will get better throughout the season. Who knows? But that first game was dreadful for the Packers. But it happened to them last year like that as well. Rodgers ended up winning the MVP. And <laughs> it was a division leader once again. But with that being said, I'm going to get off into the fan Q&A, guys. Maybe it'll be more... NFL-related questions and things like that. So let me go ahead and pull up this fan Q&A. Give me a second. Now, remember, guys, if you do not ask questions on the fan Q&A, you want to ask questions, you always can. Remember, I do post my Q&A. Excuse me. I do post my Q&A on Facebook and also on YouTube. So if you want to ask me questions, go ahead, check those sites out. And drop your questions there. I, I get questions and I post those questions, the Q&A post, every Monday. So, y'all just look out for that. All right, so this first question comes from Jay Jax. He says, is the NFC East Phillies to lose now? And I just spoke about this. Yes, it's there to lose now. It's The Cowboys are, are done. They're going to have that Prescott for only half the remainder of the season. So I don't even know if they're going to risk bringing him back when he doesn't need to be brought back unless by a miracle Cooper Rush turns into the second coming of Matt Flynn when he was with the Packers and actually looked good enough to earn a new contract and compete for a starting job. That's the only way I see it. But, yes, this is Philly's division to lose now. And this next question comes from Charlie Ratliff. How do we... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. This next question comes from Gino. He says, should A-Rod force a trade out of Green Bay despite his new contract? I'm going to be honest. I At this point, this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. It is. He has to reap what he sold. He could have left. He should have left. I've been saying for the past three, four years now, he needs to leave Green Bay. That team clearly does not know what the hell they're doing, and he's going to waste the remainder of his career there if he continues to. And that's what he's chosen. It's on him at this point. I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers guy. Anyone who's listening to me know I believe Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback ever. I, I do believe that firmly and vehemently. He is the most talented guy I've ever seen throw a football or ever play the quarterback position. And the efficiency and the just downright explosive plays and just talent he has, I've never seen from a dude in my life. The closest now to it is Patrick Mahomes. But the difference between Mahomes and Rodgers is that I believe Rodgers was... In his prime, he was a little bit more of a better athlete because people forget that Rodgers actually did lead the league in rushing as a quarterback before. And also, his his IQ of the game seems to be a bit higher, not just because of experience, but because it's just he reads defenses a little bit better than Mahomes. So, should he force a trade? 
He should have been the first one. And if he didn't do it at this point, he won't do it. This next question comes from Curtis Reese. Is the Mike Vick curse real? And he's talking about the Falcons and how they blew a lead again for the millionth time. I don't know if the Mike curse Mike Vick curse is real or not. But I do know this. The Falcons are hurting. I feel bad for the city of Atlanta. Because, man, if I had to watch a team like that every Sunday, and it's coming from a Dolphins fan, if I had to watch a team like that every Sunday, blow lead after lead, and just on multiple occasions, it would kill me to even watch football, bro. So I can't even imagine what Falcons fans are going through. It, it would kill me. It would just utterly kill me. Next question comes from Van Velsine. He says, are the Bills the team to beat? Yes. In the AFC, yes, they are. They're the best team in the conference right now as it stands. They may be the best team in the NFL. There's no ends if a buts about it. And then this next question comes from Van as well. Are the Rams no longer the NFC phase? As it stands right now, no. They just got too many problems. The offensive line didn't look that good. Matt Stafford with this pitcher's arm, injury, elbow. Doesn't look that good. Outside of Cooper Cup, the offense has virtually gotten worse. And the defense doesn't look the same either. Jalen Ramsey looks like he's taking a step back. Again, it's one week, but I can only go off what I've seen. And thus far, the, the team as a whole has looking like it's taking a step back. Now, maybe they'll figure it out. I think Sean McVay is a great coach. He'll figure it out. But we'll see. And will Aaron Rodgers regret not leaving Green Bay? Yes, he will. Like I said already, he should have been left. Next question comes from KJ Early. Who coming out the AFC South? I still believe the Colts coming out the South. I know the Colts didn't look all that impressive. They tied with the Texans. I get it. But the Colts are still the best team in that division. They just are. Somebody has to win the division. And I believe the Colts are the best team. Who's the underdog team this year? The underdog team this year for me, and I've said this before, are the Lions. I do believe the Lions are a well-equipped team with enough talent around Jared Goff for him to probably sneak this team into a playoff berth or a playoff spot. Now, do I believe it's likely? No. But is there a chance? Yes. I'm not saying this team is going to win the Super Bowl, but a lot of people believe this team will finish sub 500 or below 500. I believe they could be a little better than that if they put it all together. And then this next question comes from Ryan Brown. He said, do you think Dallas is going to go for Jimmy G or entertain us by signing Newton or Kaepernick? I think it's a possibility they go after Jimmy Garoppolo for real. But the way things are playing out in San Francisco with the 49ers, I don't believe the 49ers are no longer interested in moving Jimmy Garoppolo because they're not fully sold on what Trey Lance is. And that's become evident with the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. As is, I, I don't know, as is me. And this next question comes from Kelly Bobby. What team is the biggest surprise and disappointment in week one? Well, the biggest surprise for me in terms of just, they look a lot better than I thought they would. For me personally, I'm going to have to go with, it's, it's some teams I can go with. I'm going to go with the Texans, though. I thought the Texans came out and played one hell of a game against the Colts, gave them all they could handle. And the offense looked a little bit better than what I thought, despite the fact that Damon Pierce, the young rookie guy, a lot of people high on, did not play a very good game. 
Davis Mills went out there through some pretty damn good passes. They new addition to O.J. Howard looks to be fitting right in at home. He's found a new place to call home. And I thought Davis Mills played pretty well. And their defense looked pretty solid as well. Darius Stingley actually played a, a pretty good game. So they have something there. They got some young talent. And the biggest disappointment, for me, I think it has to be the Cowboys, man. I mean, this is a team I had winning their division. This is a team I had losing maybe four games of the season. Now, I'm not even sure they can win eight games this year. It's, it's, just, it's just really bad overall for them. This next question comes from Mark Quinn Williams. Why is Lamar Jackson the best QB today? Well, he isn't the best QB today. <laughs> I like Lamar, though, man. I think he's vastly underrated. This next question comes from Mason Moon. He says, Vikings, pretenders, or contenders? I think the Vikings are pretenders. The Vikings do this every year. They look good some weeks. Other weeks, they don't. Until they show consistency, I can't believe they're contenders. Now, let me, let me say this. If the Vikings end up starting this season off like 7-2, 6-3, I believe they're contenders. I believe it. Because that means they're showing continuity and consistency. Next question comes from Jason Tyler McLaurin. If James is healthy, what is the Saints ceiling? Now, this is a good question. I believe with a healthy James Winston, and assuming the rest of the pieces around him are healthy as well, including Michael Thomas, who had a phenomenal game against A.J. Terrell. And by the way, I've told people the past year and a half, y'all are overrating the hell out of A.J. Terrell. And Michael Thomas, a guy who hasn't played football in two years, basically, went out there and torched him for two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just proves that y'all need to slow down the A.J. Terrell hype train. But anyway, I think they certainly could be division leaders. I think they can win their division. Because from what I've seen from the Bucks, the defense, the Russian, the Russian defense has taken a step back. The Cowboys with an injury-depleted injury O-line and a running back in Ezekiel Elliott, who a lot of people believe has lost a step or two, they, they ran the ball pretty effectively against them. They did. Regardless of how you want to feel about that, they did. And the offense doesn't like that well or your machine we're used to seeing. And the reason why they even look remotely okay Sunday night was because the Cowboys was just that much worse. Literally, outside of running the ball, nothing else looked good for the Cowboys' offense. Literally nothing. So, I can see the Saints upsetting them and taking that division. Next question comes from DeQuay Moore. Should the Browns give Dobbs a chance to continue with Brissett? Jacoby Brissett. Brissett, I mean, at quarterback. I think you get Dobbs a chance. You know what Jacoby Brissett is. Dobbs, he may be a wild card that could get better by the week until Deshaun Watson comes back. But the thing about that is Deshaun Watson will come back eventually, and you want to win as many games as possible before that happens. So maybe Brissett is the best option from that standpoint because you know exactly what he would give you game plan for that. But at the same time, if you're playing the teams like the Ravens, who is in their division, you play teams like the Bengals, who are in their division, Chargers, Cheese, like these teams you got to put points up against, they're going to get the doors blown off of them. And then the next question comes from 
Simon's Dylan. Should the Titans fire Todd Downing? Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's their GM, is it not? Let me look that up real quick. Oh, no, that's their office of coordinator. My mistake. I, I, I honestly did not know who that was. My apologies, man. But um, I'm not too big on the Titans, so I wouldn't know their coaching staff outside of Mike Verbal. But I believe so. And the reason why I said it is because when I watch Tennessee football, they remind me of the Ravens. They're so run heavy to the point where it affects the entirety of the team in a really good way or a really bad way. Because there's they need Derrick Henry to have good games or competing games or win. He has literally carried that team on his back for two years. And I think the wheels are starting to fall off. Because for what I see in this last week against the Giants, he looked like he's lost a step or two. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I still think he could be an 1,100-1,200 yard rusher. But those days of him going for 250, 300 yards almost in games, they might be behind him at this point. Because he, he doesn't run with that same explosiveness or decisiveness. He, he looks like he's tiptoeing a bit. And that's why Tate Crowder lit him up the way he did. Because he, he's not running as strong as he once did. But that's just my opinion. This next question comes from David Jordan Lee. What kind of season do you expect out of John Wall? How many players on the Rockets roster are going to survive the rebuild? The only player that's safe on the Rockets rebuild for me personally is Jenny Green. Every Everyone else is fair game. What is it? What is um, um, Gordon? What is Kevin Porter Jr.? Whoever you want to name, Eric Gordon, I should say. Whoever you want to name, no one is safe. The only player that is safe, in my personal opinion, is Jalen Green. Everybody else is fair game to be moved for the right price. And what I expect out of John Wall this year, I expect John Wall to be a good complimentary point guard. I think he'd put you up 13, 14 points a game. Probably should run like 46, 47% from the field. Give you about seven, eight assists a game, four or five rebounds. Like solid, good stat lines. So I think he I think he'd be able to provide that. Then this last question comes from Randy Price. Will the Chargers get the Chiefs and run for their money to win the AFC West? Now, this is actually a good question because it goes into my game of the week. And my game of the week is the Thursday night game tonight. The Chargers taking on the Chiefs. I believe they are going to be in Arrowhead, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check that real quick. Yes, they are an arrowhead, so the Chargers will be traveling to Kansas City. The Chargers have a chance to win this division. Simply put, they have probably the best front four in the league. They got the best tandem of edge rushes you will see in the league. I mean, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, I'll take for my money any day of the week over any other duo. Only other duo that's remotely arguable to me is Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. That is it. But... Outside of them two, this, this duo is clear as day the best duo, Edwards duo in the league. You got J.C. Jackson back there, Sante Samuel Jr., Darren James. You got a good, you got talent on the defense. I'm not going to say it's a good defense per se yet because Derek Carr did pick them apart a bit in their last game. And if he had a few, like just a second or two more to throw some passes, this game would have been different. But Justin Herbert and that offense – they're going to put up points. They're going to light scoreboards up. 
And in order for you to even beat Kansas City, you got to do just that. You got to light the scoreboards up. Because you have all the talent in the world on defense. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's going to get his. He's going to make plays. You got to be able to match it. Do I believe they can do that? Yes, because I think Herbert is that good. But with Keenan Allen out tonight for tonight's game, they, they hurting a little bit. We'll see how it plays out. But for my game of the week, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to take this game. Now, I will give y'all free game, though. Take the over on this game. I'm telling y'all now. Take the over. They will put up points. Both of these teams' strengths are their quarterbacks and their quarterbacks slinging the ball all across the field. They're going to put up points, both of these teams. But that's all I got for you all today. Thank y'all for tuning in to the show. Once again, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube where I am at Last Word Productions. And be sure to follow me on all my social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Last Word Productions all over. Thank y'all all again for your time, and I'll see y'all in the next one, man.